This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk, and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Scott White, the life is too short guy, is the happiest guy you will ever meet. After spending over a decade in investment banking on Wall Street, he took a chance and became an entrepreneur and business builder. Today he is chairman and CEO of a public real estate company. Scott is always looking for his next challenge and has competed and completed one Ironman triathlon and 15 marathons. Now Scott is on a mission to make the world happier one smile at a time. With his endless energy, he motivates and inspires everyone he meets to focus on happiness, gratefulness, and positivity. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for the invite, Roman. I am grateful to be here. Thank you for coming on. So tell me a little bit about your journey. Obviously, that intro kind of covers a little bit, a bit, of, a little bit of that. But how did you get to where you are today? Well, I'd say it's um, I'm a marathon runner. I'd say it's been a marathon. There have been lots of twists and turns along the journey. Along the journey, um, I grew up in New Jersey and and attended Rutgers University. It's a big part of of who I am, my DNA, and and I'm a big Rutgers supporter. So uh, even before that, I, I met my wife in high school. Very grateful for that. Uh, we went to Rutgers together. We graduated. I then went on and worked in accounting, did, uh, did some accounting at Price Waterhouse. I then returned to law school at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, and upon graduating from law school, I thought I'd be a, a lawyer, but quickly realized, actually quickly, even before I graduated, realized that I was more interested in finance and, and went right into investment banking. I, I finished law school um, in May, I studied for the bar June and July. I took the bar the last week in July, New York and New Jersey. And then the first Monday in, in August, I was a freshly minted investment banker at Citigroup. I cut my teeth there as an investment banker, spent about a decade. Then I went on and worked at Brookfield in their real estate and asset management business for about five years. And then about a decade ago, I left Wall Street and, and joined some former friends, colleagues, partners, and, and built uh, a business around long-term care, healthcare-oriented real estate. Uh, today, I'm chairman and CEO of a public company called Invesc, and we own and operate nursing homes, assisted living, memory care, medical office buildings around the U.S. and a little bit in Canada. So that's, that's sort of... I'd say the the highlights or the the quick journey. I also am, am involved in a student housing development company. I'm a co-founder and strategic partner for a student housing development company called Spectra, and I'm really proud of that. And then what I'm really working on right now, and you mentioned this briefly, is just recently I launched my first book. It's called The Life is Too Short Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever, and, and that is my big focus right now. Awesome. And in terms of kind of when you left uh... – uh, investment banking after uh, 10 years. Was that kind of a calculated decision that you kind of like wanted to do something else or was it just the right time and an opportunity was, you know, presented to you? You know, it's a great question, Roman, because as I think about my life, it is one of the one pivotal moments in my life and two, one of the scariest things I've 
done. Um, and most people find that hard to believe, but uh, I've been very fortunate and, and um, I'm very grateful for a lot of things that I've done. I, I had spent, as I said, about, uh, let's see, a decade or more at, at um, Citigroup and Investment Banking. Then I was four years at, at Brookfield. And I had this opportunity to join someone that I had known in the past that was uh, had a smallish but but rapidly growing development company based in the Midwest. And we had talked for years about maybe I'd move out there and partner with him and grow the business and, and so on and so forth. And I really, th- there's little I lose sleep over in my life, but I did lose sleep over this decision. It, it was, I was incredibly happy, comfortable, having fun and doing well in my Wall Street role. I mean, I truly loved it. And, and it was, uh, you know, some people find this odd for me to, to, find it odd to hear me say this, but it felt like a reasonably safe place. I know Wall Street isn't always the safest place, but kind of the devil, you know, I was very comfortable. I was very confident. I loved what I was doing. And this opportunity I'd I'd been percolating for years. And I finally got to the point in my life where I was like, you know what, you've been doing the Wall Street investment banking, asset management thing at that time for 13 years. If ever you're going to do something more entrepreneurial, if ever you're going to get outside of your comfort zone, if ever you're going to take that chance. This one has the trappings of, of something worth taking that calculated risk. So I thought about it for a long time and then finally made the decision in 2013. And, and I'm so grateful I did. As I look back now, I think one of my key lessons and takeaways is, is you have to take more chances in life. You have to get out of your comfort zone. I talk about that in my book a lot. Um, we all get in this, this I hate to repeat comfort zone, but but sort of we get in this box, right? We're really comfortable. We, we we have a group of friends, and we have a you know a regular place we go for coffee, and we have a job, and whatever whatever's in your box, right? We all have this box, and and we get incredibly comfortable in that box, and there's no reason to get out of that box. And what I'm now trying to encourage people to do, in part based on my learnings from that experience, is get out of your box. Get out of your box. Life is too short. If you're going to take chances, do them today. Too often. We sit around and think, ah, you know, I'd like to, uh, I should, but then it's always, but, but, eh, you know, I'm not sure. I'll tell you, as, as I thought about my own sort of self-reflection and the types of things I was thinking about at the time, I was like, you know, you have an amazing job. I was working for a great company, great team that I helped build. We were having great success. I was pretty good at what I was doing and I was like, why leave this? I'm not sure it could be better. I, I, you know, people I think often think the grass is greener elsewhere and I've always been reluctant to, to get sucked into that trap. And I'd always be like, ah, you know, I, what if I leave and, and I don't like it? What if I leave and I can't come back? Um, you know, I even had concepts. So I've been doing wall street now for 13 years. Like I'm bred for this. This is what I'm meant to do. I, I don't know if I'm really an entrepreneur, but then like I had this epiphany, like, come on, Scott. Come on, like you, you, you've been talking about wanting to take that chance. You've been talking about doing something entrepreneurial. Get out of your box. Go out and do it. And that's what I did. And I am so incredibly grateful. Now, a decade later, I work with an amazing team of people at Invest. We have a great company. And as I mentioned before, I'm the CEO and chairman. And I'm very grateful that I took that chance. Yeah, uh, like complacency is the, uh, the death of innovation, I often say. And a lot of the time, you know, you're in a career for a while or you're, you know, making great money, the, the career, their job is great, but then you want to do more. But that's kind of like the comfortable place. You know, you're, you don't want to rock the boat and humans in terms of kind of mindset, they're looking for a safe kind of space for survival. Whereas back in the day where it was, uh, you know, kind of 
fight or flight. You figure out like something that's working and you keep doing it. So you kind of preserve your family and yourself. So, it, it you know, kind of like that subconscious starts kicking in where it's like, okay, well, I have this plan or I have this idea or a potential, you know, business endeavor. And then you start kind of second guessing yourself, you know, what if it doesn't work? What about my family? You know, I'm not, you know, no longer, let's say like out of college or, you know, by myself or have, you know, other people counting on me. And a lot of people use that to kind of step, step back and, you know, let me stay at, at this you know, spot in a little bit, but I think every decision or I would say calculated risk I've taken ended up on uh, me being on, on the right side of that decision. Um, and regardless, I think everything in life is a lesson or a blessing. So you will experience failures in business and in life, oh, but yeah. then you can obviously utilize that to, to make you better, stronger, and equipped for bigger challenges that you'll probably, uh, encounter in the future. Strongly agree. And I, I'd even take it one step further, Roman, and say that that I don't think we make enough, we take enough risks, get out of our comfort zone, even outside the sphere of work. So life isn't just about work. What about taking chances on meeting new people? How often do you bump into somebody on an airplane, you're walking, you're, you're, you're talking to the, the coffee barista, and you engage that person in a conversation? How often do you want to expand your sphere of influence, your network, the people you know. What about new hobbies, right? You want to learn something new. Get out of your comfort zone today and try something new. It's a big message I'm trying to push people because, you know, I, I think that one of the pieces of research I referred to in my book was a, uh, a palliative care nurse in Australia who wrote a book called The uh, Five Regrets of the Dying. And the key takeaway from that, and I won't go through all the five regrets, the, the biggest regret was the regret of not doing. It wasn't the regret of I failed. It wasn't the regret of I did something stupid, because by the way, we all do. It wasn't the regret of I did something wrong. It was the regret of I wish I had. So I encourage all of your listeners as they're sitting here thinking about that. What is that? How do you finish that sentence? I wish I had tried this new business opportunity, taken this risk, met somebody, reached out, reconnected, tried a new skill, tried a new hobby, learned something new. I could go on all day, Roman, but get out and do something. Yeah. And you don't, you don't know where, uh, you know, in interaction or, uh, you know, a meeting or things of that nature will, will take you. Um, I graduated. I know we spoke offline from Rutgers in 2008. I interned with the secret service prior. And then really in 2008, um, that year, the economy kind of tanked. So state, local, federal agency stopped hiring for months and months. I was uh, looking for the job for a job, couldn't really find anything. Was kind of down and uh, depressed. And then somebody really at the gym said, "Hey, come out to my car. I want to give you something." Which obviously could be anything, uh, especially <laughs> in New Jersey. So it's a bit of a risk. Yeah. So I said, "Why not?" And then they opened their trunk and handed me a packet about search engine optimization. They said, "Basically, read this. Go online. Uh, you know, take another month or two, and you can start doing it." for my business. And that's, you know, what got my foot in the door, uh, into digital marketing and, you know, eventually having, you know, three director roles, you know, consulting on my own, um, working with fortune 500 clients. And if I didn't take that kind of risk or just thought about it, you know, this is something that I could possibly be good at and enjoy, 
it's outside of my wheelhouse because, you know, I wanted to, you know, be in federal law enforcement, kind of follow like a, a CSI type, you know, you know, serial killer investigator team type role. And it was totally out of my wheelhouse. But I said, why not? Took the uh, took the chance and kind of ran with it ever since. That That's awesome. Good thing you took that chance. And look, there's more chances ahead. Who knows? Maybe you'll find your way back to the FBI at some point in time. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. It's kind of. <laughs> you never yeah. know. But what kind of, you know, how long did you want to or have the aspiration to write the book? And what made you finally decide to write it? So. I've wanted to write a book for at least a decade, maybe longer. It's been one of those, you know, we all have these goals, visions, dreams, uh, a bucket list, so to speak. And it's been on that list. And um, unfortunately, I got caught in the same trap I just talked about. Well, you know, you don't have time. You're not an author. No one's going to care about what you're saying. How do you start? What do you like? Enough with the excuses. And, and I talked about it for years. And then last, uh, back in 2021, I guess, I started working with a, with a coach. I like to work. I like to learn. And I was working with a coach. And, and this coach did a, a screening of me, sort of my personality, my attributes, my goals. And when we met right after the, the initial screening, he said, he's like, dude, you are like Mr. Life is Too Short guy. Everything is rah-rah, get it done today, urgency, live in the moment. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's right. But I never really thought about it that way. And then that night I mentioned it to my wife. Um, as I mentioned before, I've been with my wife since high school. No one knows me better. And I'm like, yeah, I met this guy and, and he's my coach. And he called me Mr. Life is Too Short Guy. And she's like, well, maybe that's the book you always wanted to write. And I, I looked at her like she was crazy. I'm like, what the heck is that book going to be about? Mr. Life is Too Short Guy. I, I don't even know what I would do. But, you know, in her own little way, she had planted that seed. And then, you know, a little after that, she watered that seed and, and she let it percolate. And I started writing a little outline. That was early 2021. Um, and then it died. I, I worked on it for, call it, I don't know, a few weeks. I wrote a few pages and I was like, I don't know where I'm going with this. And then that opportunity presented itself early in 2022. I'd say first week of 2022, I saw a webinar. Remember, this was the time when we were doing webinar after webinar after webinar, and everyone was was doing webinars. And on the webinar, I, I met or heard a professor from Georgetown by the name of Eric Custer. And Eric teaches in the MBA program. And, and years ago, he came up with this concept of teaching MBA students how to write a book. He, he changed one of his syllabus. He had a syllabus that was focused on entrepreneurship. And he pivoted and made it, how do you write a book? And it became wildly popular. And then he opened up the course to non-Georgetown students. And I, I joined the program and had editors assigned to me. And before I knew it, early in 2022, I was writing a book. And by the middle of 2022, I had a preliminary, I guess, as Eric would call it, very average manuscript. And then through 2022, I, I finished the manuscript and released it uh, at the very beginning of 2023. And it was just such a wonderful experience. I would tell you that of all the fun, amazing things I've done, and look, I am the happiest guy you're going to meet. So I've done a lot of great things. This was probably my most fun project over the last decade. It was just motivating, inspiring, uh, pushed me way out of my comfort zone, way out of my comfort zone. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I had some early imposter syndrome. You know, can you really do this? Like, you're not a writer. What are you doing? And now as we're, uh, as the book is out and available and people are buying it and, and I'm hearing from people getting positive feedback about it. I'm so proud of it. And I'm so excited for that book. Yeah. I think it's important, um, as you're kind of progressing through life, career, so on and so forth to, ha to have some kind of coach or a mentor. 
in a situation. No question. Or somebody to hold you accountable to something like writing a book because, I mean, that's very um, task and deadline oriented because if you, let's say, write 50 pages and then life happens, you may postpone that for another year, two, three years, what have you. But uh, having somebody in, in your corner to really kind of help you navigate or somebody that's done it where uh, you want to get to, I think is important and I think crucial in becoming successful as well. No doubt. I, I, I think we all rely on mentors, on coaches, on the people around us. Again, one of the another concept I talk about in the, in the book is you can't make it alone regardless of what you want to do in life. And again, it doesn't even have to be professional accomplishments. It, it could literally just be your, your, your happiness, your joy, whatever it is. None of us can make it alone. We, as we learned during COVID, I think for the first time that how important the power of social networks are, how important it is to interact with other people, how important it is to be a part of a, of a community. However you define your community, your community may be an interest group. It may be a religious group. It doesn't really matter what it is, but, but happiness is, is really closely tied to the quality of your relationships and, and spending time investing and building those relationships. Now, working back to exactly what you said, Roman, I think it's really important that you, you find great mentors and coaches and teachers and you constantly challenge yourself to learn something new. Yeah, and I think, like you said, having those interactions is important as human beings, regardless if you're an introvert or extrovert. You still, you know, humans are, you know, social creatures. So even if you're... Uh, an introvert, you have maybe a, a handful of people, like a close circle that you're comfortable around. And obviously, you know, if you're an extra, extrovert, it's easier to, you know, be in public, things of that nature. But uh, regardless of which one you are, I think it's important to have those kind of communications because one, I, I, I mean, being kind of cooped up in a, in a house for a year or two, not being able to see or, or you know, socialize in person, really, like you said, really show that people really require that and in order to kind of be healthy and, and sane really need that as well. No doubt. So what, one of the things that I refer to in the book is a study that was started in the 1940s at Harvard to understand what makes a good life, what, what makes a, a, a person happy, what makes a good life. And this study, which um, a book just came out on it, it's, it's fascinating. This study started, I want to say, in the mid-1940s, and they selected 268 sophomores at Harvard. And then a few years later, um, thankfully, they added another 450 um, participants from the surrounding Boston area community, predominantly in lower socioeconomic brackets and people that, that have different backgrounds. So you had a group of 700 plus study participants that this study is still ongoing today. 80 years later, they studied people. They did regular physical assessments, mental assessments, psychological assessments, talked to their families with the hope and goal of understanding what makes a good life. And, and wide range of people. There is a, a former U.S. president was in this study. There were U.S. senators that were in this study. There were award-winning authors in the study. And there were also people that, that committed suicide in the study and people that dealt with alcoholism. And, and the, the one key takeaway, there's, there's a lot of takeaways, but if there's one thing that you take away is that, that what makes a good life is the, the strength of your social network. And, and the one stat that I remember that I just love to talk about, especially as somebody that is now approaching the half century mark and myself, 
um, they did the study or they, they correlated those that had that believe they had the strongest social relationships at age 50, at age 50, were the happiest, physically healthiest, and mentally healthiest at age 80. So think about that. Those that had, there was a correlation between the strength of your relationships or your perception of the strength of your social relationships at age 50 and how that translated 30 years later into your happiness and your physical and mental health. That's pretty compelling. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, having a social circle or having people around you and people that obviously like-minded, people that kind of elevate you up, strengthen you and are honest with you. And I think it's important to surround yourself with the right people, um, you know, throughout life, I think you, you develop a better, uh, you know, an emotional, uh, empathy meter, you know, more, uh, EQ, if you will, to, I guess, discern what relationships and friendships and everything in between is right for you. But, you know, really, I guess to get to age 50, really understanding that, because I feel like all also navigating business and, you know, my, personal life and different relationships throughout the years, I think it's important because, I mean, they say, what is it? Um, good character is corrupted by bad company or whatever. So, I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen that within business too. So, That's a good you know, point. moving from, I guess, late twenties into early thirties and then kind of into my thirties, I kind of like became self-aware of that because you want to align people that have kind of the same values, same foundations within business and, and in personal life. I mean, it makes things a lot easier and um, right. kind of you avoid a lot of, I guess, maybe the hurdles along the way as well. No doubt. No doubt. The more we can surround ourselves with with good people, people that we respect, people that are better than us in so many ways, because everyone has unique attributes and skills. And I always love to be surrounded by people that, that know more than me, that have had better experiences than me, that have done more than me. So I could then level up my game. I think that's a great point, Roman, a really great point. Yeah, and I think that's important, not being scared of being surrounded by people smarter than you, because, I mean, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, I guess, (laughs) you know, people Uh, say. I agree. So, uh, you know, I've I've experienced it along across my career where it's, um, you know, I haven't really gotten a job because it was, you know, obvious in terms of body language and feedback that that person was threatened that I would be coming in and potentially taking their role. Uh, obviously the economic climate's a little different. I'm actually, I actually got laid off, uh, two, uh, two months ago, I guess at this point. So I was on, on severance and stuff. And it was like similar situations where people kind of were, were threatened in a way, um, or not understood or failed to understand the value of, I guess, digital marketing and things of that nature. I mean, that, that kind of short story, uh, my whole department got gutted in terms of what I ran, but, you know, I guess it's a, you know, everything in life is a blessing or a lesson, uh, you know, it's a blessing and in, in disguise and, you know, looking for other opportunities, but, you know, somebody, regardless of what you role in, or if you have a company and you're hiring, bringing in people that do their roles exceptionally well, and really not, I, I would also say not micromanaging, having people have the freedom to succeed because if they are the expert in their field, really let them flourish in that sense as well. No doubt. That's a big part of my leadership style. Um, as, as I've talked about before, I 
I'm chairman CEO of a public company. I surround myself with people that are much smarter than me, that are much more talented than me, that have skills that I don't have. I don't need yes people around me. I want people to challenge me and to challenge others in the room. I want to bring diversity of perspectives. I think we tend to find people and, and coexist with people that, that look like us and think like us. And, and we like to think they're different. You know, maybe they went to a different college or maybe they had a different major, but I mean, a truly different perspective, people that have had different experiences in life because they, they, they bring to the room and to decisions an entirely different way of looking at the world that each of us can't comprehend. And that's how you get to the best decisions. And that's how you have the best leadership. And that's how you build the best teams. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I mean, I've been in rooms where um, there was a, a business problem, and then there would be people from uh, different departments, different levels of, you know, seniority, and they would be, you know, proposed that that problem to solve, and everybody would give a different perspective. Because there's, for most things in life, there's more than one way to, to get to that right. outcome. No question. No question. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? So I think it's a theme that I talk about in the book because it's near and dear to my heart. And that is attitude is everything. The power of positivity. I, I fundamentally believe that whatever success I've had in my life and everyone defines success differently. So I won't even pretend to tell you I was successful because of A, B, and C. You define success exactly as you want, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's social, whether it's emotional, whatever. It's all about attitude. It's all here. It's all perspective. It's all the ability to wake up every day with a smile on your face. It's the ability to look at the world no matter what's going on, no matter what, you can give me any fact pattern, there's some element of positivity associated with that and keep grinding every day through that lens of today's going to be the best day ever. I'm living my best life. I'm grateful. I'm happy. I'm thankful. I'm appreciative. Go about life that way. And I think you'll, you'll live a happier, more fulfilled life. And that's a lot of what I talk about in the book. Yeah, the uh, the attitude of gratitude. So be grateful with attitude. Gratitude is wonderful. Yeah, the power of positivity. Yeah, be grateful for what you have or the cards that you're dealt. Obviously, not everybody has the same, I guess, hand dealt to them or the tool, right. tool set to uh, to get the job done. But making the most of it and not being stuck in in your situation or down. I mean, a lot of people have come from different walks of life through adversity and manage to overcome that. So, you know, why not you? Agreed. 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 So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you, where they can find your book or anything else you have going on? That'd be wonderful. Look, you can find me on my website, lifeistoshortguy.com, lifeistoshortguy.com, or you can find the book online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or wherever you buy books, including in retail distribution, the book is called The Life is Too Short Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever. And I hope everyone goes out and, and buys the book, reads the book, embraces the book, enjoys the book. I'm truly on a mission to make the world happier one smile at a time. And I'm starting the platform with the book. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.